welcome to another episode of Sauce of the Scary. Derek Zoo alongside Jeff Wright. We got a lot to talk about. Today we're going to talk about uh, 2014's Creep. Uh, before we do that, first and foremost, Jeff Wright, how are you today, sir? I'm doing all right, Derek Zoo. How are you, man? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Pleasantries are out of the way. So now we can get right to business. We'll go to everyone's favorite part of the show. Jeff hates trailers. I have three for you. All right. First one up to bat. Today, the long-form first trailer for The Punisher came out uh, from Netflix uh, with uh, John Bernthal, or I think that's the way you say it, Bernthal, somewhere through there playing The Punisher. Did you watch Daredevil? Are you a Daredevil fan? So I have watched every Marvel series up to The Defenders. Okay. And I'm currently kind of slowly moving my way through The Defenders. I love him as The Punisher. Yeah. That is perfect casting, and I'm really excited for this. Yeah, it's it's nice to finally see the get that character right, mm-hmm. you know? Because what they went through, Tom Jane and then like Ray Wise or something like that was mm-hmm. the Punisher, and I didn't think it was a darker tone to that movie. Did you watch that movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It felt more realistic to the comic book in that movie, but they were still something off. But no, he's he's firing on all cylinders. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that made its way on several different social media sites, Reddit, etc. And I've just avoided it like the plague because I know I'm going to watch it. I'll probably try to binge it when it drops, and uh, I, there's no need for me to, you know, see anything more about it as soon as they announced it, I was in. Sure. Okay. Second of all, we've talked about it before. Uh, I know that it's something that you and I are going to watch regardless, but Gerald's Game, there was a trailer, I think that may have dropped for it last week, but I just got to see it today. Uh, Mike Flanagan's uh, movie that's coming to Netflix, we talked about it last week during our uh, discussion of Mother. So, is that something that's on, I know it's on your radar. Are you going to watch the trailer? Is it something that you're you're interested in watching? Not only am I going to watch the trailer, I have watched the trailer. Whoa, Jeff Wright. We talked way back when we first mentioned this as like an upcoming project. One of the things I read about it was that it was considered unadaptable, the source material that King wrote. Yeah. So I wanted to see the trailer just to get an idea of what he was going to do with it. It's totally breaking my rule. I was going to watch that no matter what, but I wanted to watch the trailer. So I got a hall pass and I watched the trailer and I'm even more excited. So I'm uh, just kind of counting down the minutes till September 29th. Yeah, I definitely think that that's something early October we review for the show. For sure. Yeah, really excited about that. Last but not least, this is the one I'm the most excited to talk to you about, okay? Uh, teaser trailer came out, uh, I believe today, yeah, today for a movie called Anna and the Apocalypse. Okay. Which is being labeled as a zombie Christmas musical. And okay. here's, here's the synopsis. So there are three of those things that are present in that title. Uh-huh. Two of them I love. One of them I hate. Right. I'll let you guess which those are after you walk me through the synopsis. Okay. Uh, synopsis is this. When a zombie apocalypse threatens the sleepy town of Little Haven, Anna and her high school pals must fight sing and slash their way to survival. Teaming with her best friend, John, Anna and her crew try to save family and faculty alike as they encounter zombified snowmen, a manic bachelor party, and teenage hormones. But they soon discover that no one is safe in this new world and the only people they can truly rely on are each other. Is it is the creative mind behind it anybody we know of? Ryan McHenry. He wrote and directed a 2010 short film, Zombie Musical, upon uh, which this is based. He's wrote the original script with Alan McDonald, uh, but he he was uh, he was due to direct this feature, but he sadly he died of cancer back in oh, 2015. No. So then the directing duties were taken over by John McPhail, uh, the director of the 2016 rom com. Where do we go from here? Okay, well that's a sad story. Yeah, uh, there's, that- there's nobody that I can see that I that I know. Ella Hunt stars alongside Mark Benton and Paul K. Paul K. is from Game of Thrones, so maybe some of our listeners will know know him from that. Ella Hunt is from Our Robot Overlords. And- I for one 
and welcome, our new robot overlords. <laughs> and Mark Benton is from the ITV drama The Halcyon. Okay. So I don't know any of those. Any of those. Yeah, things, me either. But, but I was wondering if it was uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, or you know, one of those guys who's kind of d- used to doing uh, horror spoofs. Uh, seems like uh, McPhail is a Scottish director. Okay. So I'll probably check that out. I don't know that I'll watch it, but I will probably watch the trailer now and kind of keep it on my radar. I don't know if that'll be like a something that comes to Netflix or Redbox or whatnot. Can't imagine it's going to the theater. I wouldn't watch it in the theater. I'm pretty confident, but I may keep it on the radar to check out in the uh, the coming holiday season. Yeah, I think if we can get our hands on it, it would be fun to do during Christmas, right? Like we need to figure out a good a good four movies in December that we can do that that kind of revolve around the the holiday spirit. Black Christmas, Black Christmas, Black Christmas, Black Christmas. Right? Uh, no, we got to put Krampus in there somewhere. You've never seen Krampus. Have I've you? never seen Krampus yeah. all the way through. No, I think wasn't that something that we thought about doing last year? Sounds right. Yeah. Sounds so right. I think it's time now. Time to do it. yeah crack the lid on that. Yeah. So Krampus and Anna and the Apocalypse and Black Christmas. Okay, but I already know what your response to Black Christmas is. So maybe we get to. <laughs> This summer, that'll be her first official redo. <laughs> Um, you gonna ask me about those three things I asked you to ask me about? Darren? I already know about it. What uh, What are they? Uh, you love zombies and musicals, and you don't like Christmas. Yeah, that's true. Okay, moving on. Well, uh, that's all I've got for this week on Jeff hates trailers. So, what do we got this week for this week's we have a couple um, venerable projects that uh, are getting either updated or we're getting more details about them. Well, I do love venerable projects. Yeah. So, number one, there is fresh rumors of a Friday the 13th reboot coming out. Okay. Now, that thing has been rumored forever and a day. We've been hearing about a reboot since like 2009. Um, so, Paramount got the rights back in 2013. They were given five years to do what they wanted to with the property, but they just kept kind of spinning their wheels. And when they released Rings, they concluded that people just weren't interested in horror movies anymore. <laughs> so they kind of pushed this uh, Friday the 13th reboot to the side. But then it came out. And now they're smelling money in the water. So uh, New Line is apparently poised and ready to take advantage of that. The rumor that we got from somewhere called The Devil's Eyes, I was reading this on ScreenGeek.net. Uh, the rumor, though, from The Devil's Eyes is that the, uh, New Line is planning to shoot a new Friday the 13th film uh, after they wrap up chapter two of it. So that would mean uh, this new movie would come out on November 13th, 2020, which is the 40th anniversary of the original film. Oh, wow. We have no more details beyond that, but it's pretty cool to hear that maybe Friday the 13th will have some life breathed into it. Yeah. Uh, So do you want me to tell you something that will make you hate Mother even more? Go for it. They scrapped the original Friday the 13th plans to make room for Mother. Paramount did. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, This is the rube in me. <laughs> but man, talk about take, talk about a misstep. Yeah, I, I think there's got to be at least be money in a Friday the Thirteenth reboot. Yeah, you're at least going to make eight million dollars on yeah. Friday the Thirteenth for sure. What's your relationship to the Friday the Thirteenth franchise? Are you a fan? Not a fan? How I many you watched? Uh, we're platonic. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we're not exclusive, uh, but we're platonic. Okay. Yeah, we're platonic with benefits, I guess. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> now I've seen the majority of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Uh, of course, love the first two. 
and then it gets kind of kind of progressively weirder. Yeah, I was gonna say crappy, but I like yours better. Progressively weirder after that. Uh, the one that sticks out the the most in my mind is probably Jason Goes to Hell because I'm pretty sure that's the first one that I saw as, as a kid. Oh yeah, and uh, and then went from there. Uh, watched watched Jason in space. Uh, I was actually working at the movie theater when that movie came out. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, so that was a fun one to preview, and then uh, watched the reboot. When was that? 2009? Is that what this says? 2009? Yeah. So watched the rebooted one in 2009 and, and thought that it was decent, the 2009 version, and it, it was excited to see where they were going to take the story from there, and then nothing ever happened. So I'm excited about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know how Halloween is kind of like your your favorite one? I would I would say out of like the, the monster uh, movies. Slasher ones. Yeah, like, like Jason and Michael and Freddy and stuff like that. This is my favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of which, I've been meaning to talk to you about this for for at least three months now. Uh, but, you know, there's a video game. Yeah. Friday the 13th. Have you been able to play it at I've all? watched a couple trailers, but no, I've never, like, put the cash down to, to buy it. Yeah. So, uh, my buddy Mike D, I was over at his house. He has it, and we played it a little bit. It's a lot of fun, man. It's it's a lot of fun if you get to play, if you get to be Jason. <laughs> yeah, because you can play Camper, too, right? Either right. Jason or Camper. Yeah, well, what it does is it, it you play it with a plethora of people out there in the online universe, and it spawns you as either a camper or Jason. Oh, okay. And so you can't pick. You know, you just it's whatever whatever it leads you to is what you get. And so it's a cool idea. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun, and you've got a time limit. You know, if you can survive, then you win. But I mean, the majority of the people are killed instantaneously by Jason. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you get to be Jason? Any? Uh, Mike D did. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Well, cool. I, I should check that out. That that is the kind of game that's right up my alley. Those are still my favorite video games to play. Yeah. I probably play sports more often, but in terms of just looking forward to playing a game, some kind of survival war is the one I'm looking for. So, yeah, maybe we'll check that out. Maybe we could do a review of that game sometime. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be fun. I think that they're they're looking towards putting out like a, a single version, a single player version of it later on this year, uh, possibly in November, I think, somewhere yeah. through there. So so then you can, you know, either, I guess, play as a camper and go through a campaign mode, or you can play as Jason and go through. I don't, I'm not sure what the, the dynamics are on it, but uh, I do know that they're looking to make like a physical copy and, and have different things just besides the online gameplay. It's a super cool idea to kind of spawn you in there randomly and let you just figure it out like a camper in yeah, one absolutely. of the movies really good. But I was the guy in school who always hated group projects. I kind of wanted to do it on my own. So a single player would be much more uh, up my alley. I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I would much rather uh, figure it out by myself than, than have to rely on other people to help me kill Jason. Right, or to give me a good time killing them as Jason. Right. Um, another venerable uh, horror movie franchise. We've got rumors that this 11th Halloween film that Danny McBride is involved in is potentially going to ignore the nine other sequels that uh, followed the original movie there. So we've got uh, Danny McBride telling Birth Movies Death that it's not a remake. It's going to continue the story of Michael Myers in a really grounded way. As for our mythology, we're focusing mainly on the first two movies and what that sets up and then where the story can go from there. So that's all information we had already. But there's a new press release that went out today. Um, they think kind of following up on some casting news and the blurb in the press release said, this film is inspired by Carpenter's classic. Filmmakers David Gordon Green and Danny McBride crafted a story that carves a new path from the events in the landmark 1978 film. So the people over at Birth Movies Death said, 
said, the wording here is interesting, and if one were to take it literally, it seems to indicate that Rosenthal's initial sequel may be left out of this storyline as well. Any thoughts on that, Derek? I don't think it's a bad idea. Me either. Yeah. I mean, what what is essential out of the movies, you know, Halloween 3 on? What's the what's the detail that you're saying, oh, I, I can't live without that incontinuity? Uh, nothing. Yeah. If there's anything, it's going to be that Halloween 3 season of The Witch that has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Yeah. I think that's an underrated horror movie anyway, um, but it exists perfectly fine if you go back and redo everything else connected to Myers. So I, I was encouraged by that news. I'd love to see somebody strike out a new direction. As long as that person's not Rob Zombie. Right, yeah. And, I mean, here's another thing that you got to take into consideration. If Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back, then you're going to have to retcon some stuff, right? Because, I mean, uh, well, uh, Wahlberg. What? No. Spoiler alert. Just in case somebody hasn't seen it. Um, you know, Which, by the way, if that's you, shame on you. Just go at least read the Wikipedia articles. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's been 15 years. Yeah. So it's it's hard to give a spoiler alert on 15 years, but I, I will. That's it. We're serving hearted around here. Yeah. I don't really want somebody to, to tweet us hate tweets for a 15-year spoiler. But, you know, she dies in what? Resurrection? Was yeah, it? I think that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly they're going to have to retcon some stuff to bring Jamie Lee back. So I'm, I'm all for that. The, the first two are the strongest by far. So yeah, bring let's it, go. bring it back there and, and let's see what, let's see what we can do. Let's see what Danny McBride's got. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Like, uh, Danny McBride is not who I would have initially picked to be like, Hey, you take this and run with it. Sure. But he's, uh, he's a creative dude and seems to love it. He got Carpenter involved again. He got Jamie Lee involved again. I'm willing to trust it. Uh, here's the thing though. You said that, you know, she, died so they'd have to do something to bring her back into it. If she's Michael Myers' sister, she can be just as immortal and yeah. unstoppable as him. You know, I don't think that's where they're going to go with it, but there's all kinds of room in that franchise that sure. he can just regenerate. Maybe she and he are related to Wolverine, <laughs> and they just heal up and go back. Well, if it brings uh, Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine, then I'm all for it. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, speaking about being all for it, your favorite network, mm-hmm. the CW, yes. is developing a dark horror take on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I'm so glad you brought this up. I was going to bring this up if you didn't. Okay, well, I'm going to say it one more time for our listeners, just in case they thought uh, I misspoke. The CW is developing a dark horror take on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Did you ever read Archie comics? Yes, sir. Oh, me too. So there's a little gas station out by where your grandparents lived and where my parents lived. And they had very few comic books, but they would have a spinner of Archie comics. Yes, they would. And I would go over there after basketball practice. Our elementary school was across the road. So I'd go over there. This is a rural community. You know, uh, I'd go across the road waited my parents to pick me up there. I would charge like a hamburger or some Gatorade and I would sit there and read their Archie comic books. So this is a world that at one point I knew very well. And the idea of a dark horror take really strikes me as laughable. But they have apparently hit something of a success with Riverdale. I wasn't a fan of like, let's sexy up Riverdale. But they did. And so now they're going to give us a new show that will take its title from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, let's see. Here's the here's the tagline for it. It reimagines the origin and adventure of Sabrina the Teenage Witch as a dark coming-of-age story that traffics in horror, the occult, and, of course, witchcraft. Tonally in the vein of Rosemary's Baby and the Exorcist. <laughs> this adaptation finds Sabrina wrestling to reconcile her dual nature, half-witch, half-mortal, while standing against the evil forces that threaten her, her family, and the daylight world humans inhabit. Now, coming from Vulture.com, uh, they tell us that this will be executive produced by Riverdale's Greg Berlanti, and it is uh, aiming for 2018-2019 companion uh, piece to Riverdale in their lineup. So we may see crossover between Sabrina and Riverdale. Sure. Are you ready to see Jughead possessed by the devil? 
I absolutely am. And he, I don't know, maybe he gets uh, Veronica pregnant with the devil's baby. <laughs> the first one, the first episode of this show, uh, Melissa Joan Hart gets impaled. Like, that's what's going to have to happen. Yeah, just kill her off. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I'm with you. Let, let's send that idea in and ask him if we can get royalties yeah, off of yeah. it. Yeah, she just comes in and they're like, nope, time to die. All right. Scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. your odds of ever watching a, a uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina episode. Seven. Are you kidding me? I used to love the ABC uh-huh. show, uh, so I'm interested to see where this goes. So I'll probably check the pilot out. This probably won't. I probably won't make it past that, but I'll at least check the pilot out to see what they're doing with it. But, you know, the first time she, like, sacrifices a goat or, or, her, or you know, Salem, her talking cat, when she sacrifices that to the gods, then that's when I'll be like, okay, this was fun, but I'm, I'm done with it now. Well, that'll be another one of those examples where I'll let you play Horror Explorer. Yeah, I'll be more than happy And you to. can come back and give a report to the same people who, yeah. who aren't watching it. Speaking of which, uh, I've thought about renting Raw, and every time I do, it just makes my stomach turn, so I, I don't know if, if we'll have a Horror Explorer on that or not. I watched the trailer on it. Did you? It was enough for me to decide I'm probably not going to watch this movie. Yeah, that's kind of where I fell to. Yeah. I watched the trailer, and I was like... Uh, not sure this is something I want to subject myself to. All right, guys, if you're listening here, you just heard us back out of any intention to watch uh, that movie Raw we mentioned a few episodes ago. We're not telling you to go watch it. But if you happen to watch this movie and want to tell us what the experience was like, we'd love to hear from you. I just, I've already just seen too much flesh eating this oh, month. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I don't think I can handle it. Right you're now. full up on flesh eating? <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. Yeah. Hey, hey, um, are, are you got anything? Well, I got one last thing, but. Go ahead. Okay. Well, this might be the same thing. I'm not for sure. I uh, just read before we started recording that HBO has given a green light for the Watchmen TV series. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so let me let me pull that up for you sure. real quick. Um, you're not going to be happy with who's involved in it, though. Does it rhyme with Snack Zider? <laughs> no. Thank goodness it thank doesn't. Thank goodness. Uh, so this Although is from- I didn't dislike his adaptation in the movie. I thought he tried to stick to the comic books. Yeah, you know, I've said this about Zack Snyder. Everything that he's, he's done, I've progressively hated more. Mm-hmm. So 300, I really enjoyed. The next thing that I remember him doing was Watchmen, right? And then he did a couple other things that I wasn't a fan of. And then he did Batman versus Superman, which I despise. So, yeah, so that I mean, what can you do with that? It's the greatest graphic novel of all time. Um, it's hard to hard to put into a two and a half hour movie. Yeah, for sure. So, kudos to him on it. But, anyway, this comes from Variety. Uh, HBO has ordered a pilot for Watchmen, the new drama series that is developing with the Leftovers creator, Damon Lindelof. Oh my gosh. And for those of you that may not be familiar with Mr. Damon Lindelof, he is one of the uh, executive that was in charge of Lost, he and Carlton Coos, or Cruz, I forget the name, uh, who is actually Carlton, is uh, in charge of Bates Motel. So, and yeah, it turns my stomach, man. Yeah. Lost is the great loss of time in my life. I'm still holding a grudge over that. Uh, that really does bum me out. I will probably check this project out. But, you, you know, when you're um, going down a steep hill and you start riding your brake way too quick because you just want to make sure the car is in control the whole time, doesn't get away from you, I will be riding the brake from the moment I press play on that series, ready to jump out of a runaway car as soon as signs that we're going back to the island or whatever takes place. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm excited about it, man. I'm looking forward to it. I don't think they've had anybody cast yet, so Damon, if you're listening, 
I've got some time for free. Well, that so. that would be a move he could make to kind of redeem my confidence in his abilities. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from, right? Um, Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof were the two like writers and showrunners for Lost. And who all along kept telling fans, we know where we're going. Right. We know what we're doing. We had a Bible or we have a Bible. We know exactly what the end game is. Things will be answered, et cetera, et cetera. Right. All horse rubbish. You're not wrong. So they lost a lot of points with me after the end of that series, even though I personally didn't mind the the series finale of Lost. There were a lot of questions that remained on it. We've talked about this before. Uh, So I understand your trepidation on it. But let me say this, that uh, Carlton Cuse has, I just said he did Bates Motel. And uh, you know this because we hang out a lot, but I blazed through the first four seasons of that show over the last two weeks. Uh, and I'm very excited about seeing season five. So he has redeemed himself in my eyes on that. And I'm hoping that Lindelof will be faithful to the content and be faithful to the actual story and not try to go in a different direction with it. Right. Like I think that he has enough respect for the, the art form and the story itself to not go in a direction where we'll be upset about it. Does that make sense? It makes sense. If you are willing to be gracious towards that guy, he just cost me too much, man. My wife, I've, I've never watched or read Pride and Prejudice, but my wife loves that book and the, the two movies that we own that adapt it. And she says that I am like Mr. Darcy, who says in that novel, uh, my good opinion, once lost, is gone forever. And Lindelof qualifies for that. He has just, yeah, he just burned too many bridges for me. So, I mean, I, I would come back. I'm Like you, I really kind of enjoyed Bates Motel. I didn't stay with it. It was a movie that, or it was a show that Christian and I were watching together, and she decided she was out, so I went with her, but season one was really good. So I guess there's possibilities there. I just, the name Lindelof brings like a cold chill down my spine. Sure. Yeah, so. I, I understand that. I mean, both those both those names have always thrown up red flags for me um, since, since Lost has been over with, right? And again, I say that as someone who didn't mind the ending of that series. So I can only imagine how you feel with it, but uh, I'm, I'm willing to let, I'm willing to let it go and see what happens with it. But again, it's one of those things where it's like this new Sabrina thing, right? I'll, I'll watch the pilot. I'll check it out, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm fully ready to part ways and be done with it. If it's something that I don't agree with, if a polar bear winds up in Dr. Manhattan's office or something like that, then I'll be like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. And you know, or if like Rorschach has to start pushing a button every 72 minutes or something. So hopefully not. We'll Hopefully see. Not. We'll see. So you had asked if this was the thing I was going to raise. Uh, it, it wasn't. The just thing I was going to mention is that we watched a, um, I don't know, you wouldn't call it a trailer, but sort of a teaser for the upcoming season of The Exorcist. Yeah. And I enjoyed season one. I thought there were some goofy elements in it. Uh, one of the things I thought was really goofy is that they came up with a new exorcist um, procedure, exorcism procedure. So I'm going to spoil this if you're listening and think you might want to go back. So if you do, skip forward a little bit. But there's this group of nuns who develop an exorcism procedure that is based on basically loving the demon back into wholeness. Like you are loved, you are welcomed, and somehow that makes the demon not want to possess people. So they're basically giving it the help treatment? Yes. You was smart. You was kind. All right. Or the Stuart Smalley. You're yeah. good enough. Got you're smart started. enough. People like you. People like you. And that worked in story. That's dumb to me. Yes. But on, you know, on the whole, the rest of that project, I really enjoyed season one. So I'm excited for season two. It looks like they're... Um, um, kind of road tripping this season, you know, instead of being in one location there in uh, it was Chicago, I think season one. So uh, anyway, if you guys were interested in either that franchise as a film franchise or the show, 
I think you've got good reason to have uh, confidence that season two is going to start well. Yeah, I I didn't have the chance to watch the first season, but just looking at that uh, featurette on the second season definitely makes me interested uh, not only to go back and watch the first season, but then to follow up with this one. And you and I have both talked about our appreciation for John Cho, so I'm all I'm all in on that aspect of it as well. Sure. Um, speaking of new seasons of, of TV shows and stuff, just because we often talk about uh, comic book stuff as well. I mean, we just talked about Watchmen. The I don't know. I'd love to hear from you guys about Gotham. Uh, it's a, it's a TV show that I've I've kind of had uh, ebbs and flows with. I uh, didn't enjoy the first season at all. The second season got my attention and got me back into it. I haven't been able to watch the third season yet, but I just saw a trailer for the fourth season today, and it looks like that Bruce Wayne's about to start becoming Batman. Oh, I thought they said they would never have Batman. Yeah, I, I thought that as well, but it's he's starting that procedure yeah. where he's like he's dressing up in in a in a mask and like a black bodysuit and stuff. So they're they're starting to get into that that thing. Uh, and the vil I mean, the villains gallery in this is just amazing. You know, they're not they're not all true to the comic books, but I mean, what what is in the movie, you know, like yeah. there's there's really nothing that's ever been true to the comic book. So this interpretation has been really interesting to watch. And so I would love to hear what the fans think about that and, and, and if they're going to watch and, and things like that. So if you have any kind of uh, opinion on, on Gotham, yell at us and let us know. Uh, you can get at us at Scary Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, or you can even go into our subreddit uh, forward slash r forward slash sauce up the scary and just talk about Gotham. I'd love to talk to some people about it and see what the opinion is. There's a contact form on the right side of sawsomethingscary.com too. It says, uh, tell us something scary. Fill it out, drop it in, come right to our box. We had uh, someone reach out to us about our experience in the uh, theater when we were watching it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Really thankful to get that email. So please feel free, send them, send them on. Yeah. This has been this week's all right, good deal. So let's pull the curtain on a movie that's never had the curtain pulled because it went straight to Netflix. That would be 2014's Creep. Before we jump into it, Derek, this is an independent film. Yes. And I realized, though, that I did not know what were considered the best independent movies of all time. Okay. So I'm going to give you a list and pretend like I didn't print this out for you and give it to you on the run sheet. I have never seen it before. Okay. You tell me. I- I've got my top ten. Uh-huh. You tell me uh, number one for you, number two. Let's get a few of these. So in no particular order, The Usual Suspects. Okay. Clerks. Yeah. Memento. Ooh. Winter's Bone. Okay. Being John Malkovich. Huh. Really? Yeah. Donnie Darko. Yeah. Reservoir Dog. Oh, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. Yeah. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. The Blair Witch Project. Moving on. The Big Lebowski. Okay. <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine. Steve Carell vehicle. That's a great movie. Dazed and Confused. All right, all right, all right. No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Okay. Fruitvale Station. All right. Um, I'm I'm in on all of those except for the last one. Okay. I'm not, I've never seen Fruitvale Station. That's the only reason why I can't say that I'm in for it. Out of that list, if, if I'm looking at it going, top three. I'm saying Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. I'm saying No Country for Old Men. And I'm... Oh, man, that's a hard one for three. Uh, Memento for me, probably. Um, but then you're also... I mean, Clerks. We've talked about... Both of us have a great appreciation for the first Clerks movie. Being John Malkovich is a great movie. Uh, Napoleon
Napoleon Dynamite has a soft spot in my heart because when I when I had my first apartment, me and my two roommates watched it. It feel like I feel like we watch it every day. Uh, I love Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a really great that's a really great list. But to me, I didn't I didn't think that probably four of those were independent. Films. Yeah, several of them come off as big budget. Yeah, uh, productions. There's some I left off of there too. Fargo. I mean, there's been quite a few that have been really well done and have had some lasting value. So when I made my list, I tried to figure um, lasting significance in pretty heavily. So here's how I went. Uh, number 10, I went with No Country for Old Men. Okay. Because it's it's sort of the freshest one. And sure. we're not we're not clear yet what its legacy will be. Clerks. Sure. Uh, nine. Eight, Dazed and Confused. Seven, Napoleon Dynamite. Six, The Blair Witch Project. Okay. And I take it from a minute ago that you're not a fan. I mean, man, to me, I think you and I have talked about this before. That movie is decent, but it was so overhyped for me by the time that I watched it that it was a huge letdown once it once I finally got to it. And it's just always left that bad taste in my mouth. Um, the second one is atrocious. And this newest one that they, they came out with, uh, I think you enjoyed it a lot more than I did, but I was still just like, I'm, I'm done with this whole franchise. So... Well, you're not wrong on any of that. The the reason I, I do think it made my top six is because it, you know, on a popular level, invented a genre. Sure. And considered by itself as a as an event, it was pretty phenomenal, you know? Well, I mean, and you look at it this way, if that movie hadn't come out, then the movie we saw tonight wouldn't have come out either. So... Yeah, exactly. I mean, Cloverfield, uh, just, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of movies that are predicated on the Blair Witch Project, and so it gets in there uh, for that reason. Memento number five. Big Lebowski, number four. Reservoir Dogs, number three. Number two, The Usual Suspects. And number one, Pulp Fiction. I mean, I think that's a solid list. I think that's a solid way to go with it. Hard to... uh Hard to be objective about it, though. There's so many good ones. Yeah. For me, No Country for Old Men is up there more just because um, I thought that Javier Bardem just gave just one of the best performances of uh, of the last probably, well, yeah, it's been 10 years now. Holy smokes. That movie's 10 years old. That's insane. Um, and you didn't see anything. That was, it was new. Yeah. You know, like it felt fresh. So, but I, I completely understand where you rank the rest of those as well. Yeah. All right. So let's actually talk about this particular independent film. So directed by Patrick Bryce. Bryce and uh, written by Bryce, who is the uh, supporting actor in this film, and then Mark Duplass, who is the actor. Uh, the only other directorial work I found by Bryce was something called The Overlook, okay, which was a sex comedy starring Adam Scott. Okay, yeah, uh, there's an, Adam Scott is the only thing I just mentioned that I have any interest in. Sure, and when you start combining him with sex comedy, <laughs> I'm completely out. Yeah, so uh, you've got a buddy project movie here. Basically, these are two guys who um, met each other. In the film community, I think Bryce had just graduated and Duplass has a, a pretty extensive independent film and uh, stage acting career, best I understand it. And they sat down and started talking about collaboration, and this is what they came up with. So I was reading an interview with Duplass in the Austin Chronicle, because I guess he's from Austin, Texas. He said that they wanted to do something character-driven and that they were inspired by My Dinner with Andre, which I have not seen. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, man. I love that movie. Okay. Uh, you have to tell me about it off 
off recording here. Uh, Misery and Fatal Attraction. Which basically, I seen. basically Andre the Giant. Like it's basically you're doing a dinner with Andre the Giant. Oh, oh, how did I miss that? Yeah. Okay. So dinner with Andre, Misery, Fatal Attraction. Um, he also said that he had a number of strange Craigslist experiences over the years. He talks about trying to buy a bed from somebody out in New York City, and he said the guy that he was buying it from uh, didn't understand personal space very well. Was stay you know just way too close when they were talking. Uh, they started taking the bed apart, and within an hour, the seller was telling Duplass all about his divorce. He was also crying, and I remember thinking, "This is so amazing." Craigslist has brought two disparate strangers together and allowed him to have the chance to emote to me and for me to listen to him. At the same time, if I don't leave here soon, something terrible might happen. Can I just tell you that there is nothing that would kill a Craigslist deal for me quicker than a guy started crying to me about his divorce? Yeah, for real. There is no point in my thinking that I would get to the to the place where I would say this is amazing because it gave him a chance to emote to me. Yeah, there's there's nothing that I need off of Craigslist bad enough to endure something like that. Completely agree. Um, so I, I take it you aren't particularly a fan of this film? I was not. Um, first and foremost, let me just say this. The the movie that Bryce and Adam Scott worked on is called The Overnighters. The Overnighters. Okay, yeah. sorry. No, that's no problem. Or excuse me, The Overnight, not The Overnighters. I apologize. The Overnight. At some point, we'll get this movie title right. Yeah. Who's on first? Um, and it's Adam Scott and Jason Schwartzman is in it. So, well, just the king of independent films. You know, independent of it being a sex comedy, I would probably be interested sure. in Sure. But you had sex comedy and you subtract Jeff Wright's audience yeah. uh, from your audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I just, I didn't enjoy it. I, I thought it was... I don't know. I just I thought it was it was hokey, and uh, I'm not a huge found footage person anyway. Um, and this just didn't do anything for me at all. I to me it was more uh, it was more funny. It came off more as a bad comedy movie than it is a horror movie. Uh, there's only one real part in the movie where I was like, "Yo, that's okay. That's that's kind of creepy." But besides that, I mean, and it's just one of those things where my I guess my my movie ESP kicked in, and I basically told you I was like, "Oh, well, this is what's going to happen." And nah, I just yeah, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, I think it's it's certainly a movie that telegraphs um, a major part of the storyline, the parts you identified. You know, I don't think that that is the ultimate payoff they're going for. You know, there's a, there's that um, part at the end, right? That kind of takes it a little bit further. Yeah, I really do like this movie. I I came across this on some like you ought to check this out lists, and a couple things I'll say about it. I think Mark Duplass is a really really good actor. He he plays. I told you there's a there's a relative of mine that I can see like three degrees away from being the Duplass character here. What? No! Spoiler alert. Except for the homicidal axe murder. Sure, yeah. Element, you know? So, I guess... And that's just four degrees. I feel like I know this guy. And I feel like even had I not known this guy, I've been around this guy. Where everything is epic, and where everything's super important, and where everything is some big, major emotional connection that happens, right? And this movie gives you the, the justification for believing that person to be creepy and give into your sense of, like, this is dangerous because this person's so weird. Uh, so, I credit to Duplass. I would also give credit to... Bryce and Duplass for this movie. This is one of the more original horror movies I've seen in a while. Uh, it was a concept that I, I can't remember anything like it. Now, there there have been stalker movies or like roommates who go crazy movie. Single white female comes to mind. Right. But this idea of someone taking a Craigslist job, which is a common experience. I've never done it, but people have. And it turned in sideways and you run into a mental patient. It, it In some ways, it's kind of the thing our parents warned us about the internet. Right. But um, it's grounded enough for you to go, yeah, this could have 
happened in the real world. And so I don't know what they spent making this movie, but for a small independent film venture, I think they got a, a lot of payoff on their uh, on their investment. I mean, they let's see. There's a good like there's a very good chemistry between Bryce and Duplass. Uh, I agree with you in the fact that Duplass is a fantastic actor. He definitely carries his movie. Um, and I mean, obviously, when it's just two people, you're gonna have to have an anchor like that. Sure. And he does a fantastic job with it. Uh, I didn't. I did not enjoy the movie. But again, I mean, the main question we ask in this is, did we see something scary? And if I'm basing it on that, then then it's not a good movie. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's a funny movie to me, but it, it wasn't something that it's going to strike terror in my heart or make me think about. It. I mean, it, say what you will about last week's movie that we saw, but it at least it sticks with you, not in a positive way, you know, but it sticks with you. This movie, I'll watch it. I figured it out 10 minutes into it. I'll never watch it again. Yeah. You know, uh, but I mean, kudos to those guys. You're absolutely right. It is original. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely something that you haven't seen. It's a perfect amalgamation of the three movies that it talks about my dinner with Andre, Misery and Fatal Attraction. Uh, I mean, those are, those are perfect comparisons to this movie. Uh, but to me, I just, it's one of those things, man, where I, I guess maybe nothing's ever going to be like it was when I was five and every movie was scary, you know? And, uh, I guess that's kind of me just being cynical and and having that law of diminishing returns. Um, so I always look at movies like this. And I'm like, yeah, it's an interesting concept, but it could have been so much scarier if they'd have done this or if they'd have done this and stuff. And so, I, you know, we're deep in spoiler territory now. Uh, so again, as we've said before, if it's not something that you want to know, fast forward. Again, this is a three-year movie, so don't hate the messenger. Right. But that wolf mask is, I mean, I, I try to put myself in that in Aaron's shoes and Patrick Bryce's shoes and yeah that would be terrifying if I'm in some dude's house trying to leave in the middle of the night and he's got a wolf mask on but at the same time it's one of those things where you and I talked about it I would have bum rushed that dude and just beaten the crap out of him got my keys and gotten out of there um, and so I mean you know it, it's it, yeah <laughs> I didn't I did not enjoy it but I just I it, it would have been a good buddy comedy hmm. but as far as like a horror movie I mean until the very end of it I'll pass yeah, I'm pretty much diametrically opposite you on this. To our listeners, I'm going to tell you, I think if you hadn't seen this, you ought to turn the lights off one night, um, make sure that you heighten your sense of being alone as much as possible, and turn this thing on. And I think it'll be worth your time, contrary to what Derek's saying. Um, I, I am with you uh, in that the character there is not the sort of fellow that I would feel particularly intimidated by, but I do wonder if it's a product of different visions of masculinity. And one of the things I told you that is hard for me when I'm watching a movie like this, when you get into the third act there where the Joseph character is stalking um, Aaron. Mm -hmm. In our neck of the woods, what would we do if somebody were showing up at our house, you know, going through our garbage, looking at our window, breaking our window screens? Get a gun. We would get a gun and we'd wait for him. And if he showed up, it'd be a bad night for him, right? right. I'm not trying to say that, that gives us any kind of bravery, but it's just we live in a pro-gun culture. And so for me watching this guy who, uh, again, different vision of masculinity, how to deal with these things, uh, Aaron comes off as much more empathetic, Right, he's much more caring, and he's just not in an environment where he feels comfortable responding to violence with violence. And I think, to some degree, I'm nobody's lying heart, but to some degree, I'm much more comfortable saying, "Here's a line in the sand. Don't come across it." It, it may that may have something to do with the way you experience the movie too. I will tell you that watching this with my wife, having no preconceived notions about the movie, I mean, we came into this as fresh as possible. The scene you're describing, where Joseph is blocking the door in the in the uh, peach fuzz wolf mask, it did play different 
important to us because he has he's jerked Aaron back and forth several times by then, right? There's a bunch of times where he'll jump out at him and try to scare him, and then he'll retreat back into, oh, no, it was a joke. That's just a quirk of my personality. He does it right away when he starts, when he's filming the, uh, the scene in the bathroom. He does it again when they're getting into a car. In that moment, I felt the tension of, is this guy having a breakdown and he's going to do what we've all been expecting him to do throughout this whole movie? Or is this going to be him yet again pulling the mask off, saying, I'm sorry for the fright, and giving us more of the build to what's obviously going to be the eventual payoff? So I do think I do think probably the way that we experience that scene differently changes the way we experience the whole movie. I mean, that's fair. That's fair to say. Um, yeah, I just... I, I don't know, man. I mean, I just kept cracking jokes about how, like, this dude's going to give this guy his class ring or his letterman jacket or whatever. And then and then he gives him a locket. And I was just like, okay, that's, that's just too much. I mean, it, it came off like a weird romantic comedy to me. I think there's a lot of romantic comedy in it. An unwanted romance. But yeah. Yeah, nonetheless. So, I'm not going to tell anybody not. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that I say this a lot. Like, I feel like that I dog on the movie. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you not to go watch it. Uh, but I'm not. Like, because my opinion on movies differs from our listeners' opinions on movies. You know, I'm just here to be a sounding board to let them know how I feel about things. And if they tend to side with me on situations like this, then maybe skip this one, you know? But if, you, if you're if you on the fence about it and you're like, well, I mean, you know, what you're saying is makes a lot of sense, but also what Jeff's saying makes a lot of sense too, then check this movie out. And maybe, maybe you'll enjoy it and appreciate it in a different way than I could. Yeah, and hopefully people are going to listen to this this uh, after having seen the movie since it's you know been out a while now. Hopefully people will come to this with their own, I don't know, whatever you want to say, conclusions drawn and be able to, to listen to this and interact with us on, on that level of, hey, I've seen this too. I have my own thoughts about it. Yeah. But I guess, you know, like the last home invasion movie we saw was Hush, mm-hmm. right? And that was a phenomenal movie. So to go from that to this, which is, you know, I kept waiting on that like, you're making my dreams come true, like that song to head. And, you know, there'd be like a scene where they're riding a bicycle together or something. Or they're in that they're in that heart-shaped uh, spring making out. Like, any of this stuff that I'm telling you right now, while I'm saying it for comedic effect, could you not have seen something like that happening in the movie? Yeah, but I think those same elements you're picking up on make the underlying thread of sinister violence heightened for me. Like, I, you know, as I'm watching him sort of basically court and woo this guy, mm-hmm. I'm thinking this is going to turn sideways. And it's going to be ugly when it does. Yeah. And that's the movie plays out according to those expectations. So he's a goofy character, but his goofiness sort of heightened my anticipation of him turning evil. And uh, yeah, it worked for me that way. So, I, you know, if, if you hadn't seen this, I would recommend seeing it. Derek would say, give it a pass. Um, so, Derek, uh, we know the answer. Do we see something scary? Not to me. Yeah. It's not uh, not a horrifying movie. I do think there's a couple of jump scares that may catch people who aren't ready for them. Sure. And I do think there is... Is at least on my end, I'm going to say that there's a, a a slow build to a decent payoff here. That if you're into psychological horror, this may scratch that itch for you. You just compared it to Hush. It's not Hush, but I I think it's in the family tree. I think it's um it's a movie that is comfortably being more is is comfortable being more goofy than Hush. Hush didn't need to be goofy, right? It's comfortable doing so. 
some of the same stuff with a goofier tone, and uh, I, I appreciate that. Okay, I mean that's that's I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed sure. it. You know, sure. and and I hope that if our listeners watch it, that they enjoy it as well. Uh, it just it wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. So and it is what it is. We did find out right before we started recording this that there's going to be a sequel that comes out next month in theaters uh, on October the 24th. Is that something that you'll go watch in theaters? Probably. Okay. If it came to Cougar, I probably would. Yeah. Particularly if Movie Pass actually works at a theater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's a big if on a lot of movies right now. Yeah. I feel like that there's about seven movies you and I both would think, well, if Movie Pass sticks around at AMC, then I'll definitely go watch it. But mm. if not, then probably won't. Spot on. Yeah. Oh. Which, by the way, is why AMC should be on board with Movie Pass. Yeah. Because every time I come in that theater, is another chance for them to sell me a vat of Coca-Cola. Absolutely. And um, when I'm coming, because of particularly because of their high prices. When I'm coming only once in a blue moon and I'm already paying through the nose, guess what I'm not buying? A vat of Coca-Cola. Exactly. Yeah. So, AMC, get your head on. Yeah, absolutely. you already gotten rid of the small popcorn and small Coke for the medium-sized vats of popcorn and, and soda. So, give us our give us our $10 a month on the movie tickets and we might splurge a little bit more on sodas and popcorn. Yeah, exactly. You'll yeah. make more off that anyway. Absolutely. I completely agree. Scale of 1 to 10 on this one, Jeff, right? Where would you go? I would say this is a five. Okay. I'd go four. Yeah. So. We're not too far off. There. Yeah. Not not at all. This isn't going to change your life, but I think this is definitely a, uh, I want to watch some Netflix tonight and might enjoy a, you know, a creepy Sure. Show. Yeah. You know what? You're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. And I mean, I know a lot of people do like the 31 days of Halloween where they yeah. watch a different Halloween or yeah, this a different is perfect for something like that. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Get your, you know, I mean, make sure your doors are locked and, you know, turn your lights off and, and enjoy the next 77 minutes. Yeah. It's not too long. Like, all right. All right, man. So, I guess that's about all we got here for this week. Yeah. Let's see. This comes out on the 26th, and then uh, Gerald's Game comes out on the 29th. So, on October the 3rd, my math is right, October the 3rd will be our next our next uh, episode. Do you just want to go ahead and do Gerald's Game for next yeah, week? let's call it. Then that's what we'll do. Okay. We'll do Gerald's Game for next week. Um, I keep saying this out loud in hopes that by speaking it into existence that it'll come true. We keep reaching out to Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan and keeps responding to us. Super gracious to kind of keep engaged with us. Absolutely. He is particularly never, considering what he's got going on. Yeah, he has never once been like, guys, leave me alone or anything like that. He's been super nice, super gracious of him to continue to to uh, get back to us in a timely fashion and everything else. Uh, I know that he's got everything in the world going on right now. And the last time we spoke to him uh, earlier this week, he was in London. So uh, we have reached out to Mike, trying to get a little talk about this, about this in particular. Um, I, you know, I messaged him. I said, hey, Mike, would you like to come on and talk about Gerald's game? We would love to have you because that's going to be a movie we're going to review soon. And so now we're just we're playing the waiting game. So I say all that to say maybe we'll have Mike Flanagan on next week to talk about this movie. If not, we will be reviewing Gerald's game. Sounds like a plan. So fingers crossed uh, and we'll see how it goes from there. Jeff Wright, where can they find you on social media? At Wright Jeff, most social media platforms. You can find me at Derek Zoo. Uh, you can find us again at Scary Podcast on Facebook and Twitter and forward slash R forward slash Saw Something Scary is our subreddit. Uh, you can email us 
if you're old fashioned like that at sawsomethingscary gmail.com. Of course, Jeff already said that uh, at sawsomethingscary.com there is a comments tab. Uh, contact form. Contact form. Thank you very much. And you can get, get with us on that. Uh, and we're pretty quick to, to comment back on that. So uh, we'd love to talk to you guys. Thanks to everyone who contributed to that flood of iTunes reviews we yes, got. Yes, thank you so much. Um, we're saying we got a lot because proportionately we got quite a few, but we still need them, you know, and that's one way that you can communicate with us that we would really value the feedback. So if you're willing, uh, I know most of you probably aren't listening to this while you're sitting at a keyboard, but if you can write a note on your hand or uh, some other in some other way, remind yourself the next time I'm sitting down at my desk, I'm going to bang out an iTunes review, we'd, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, and you can do that on your phone too. iTunes reviews on your iPhones. Uh, you can go through your Apple podcast app and do it that way. So if it if it is easier for you to do it that way. Just don't do it if you're driving on the road. Yeah, that's the last thing I want you to do. But any other time, uh, please feel free to do that. Special thanks to Ryan and Brewer for providing us with our theme song. You can, you can uh, visit him at uh, ryanandbrewer.com, uh, Pandora, Spotify, all that stuff. He's on there. He's fantastic. Go give him some listens. Put a little shekels in his pocket. So next week, we're doing Gerald's Game. Fantastic, man. I'm excited. Mike Flanagan, another Mike Flanagan movie to uh, kind of course correct us from the last two weeks. Hey, uh, I don't need one for this week. Thank you very much. But in all seriousness. You're welcome very much. Okay. Uh, in looking at the next couple months ahead of us, we get Flanagan's new one this end of this month. And then by the end of next month, we'll have Stranger Things Part Season 2. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be a good run, buddy. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably have to devote like two episodes to Season 2. And possibly, should we review Season 1? Yeah, maybe we kinda can give, like it, a, kinda a, give an overview. Quick, uh, quick freshen up on it. Yeah. I mean, I assume that anybody that's listening to this podcast has probably already watched Stranger Things Season 1, but just in case. Yeah, maybe we can help them get the rust off. Yeah, that'd be good idea. Alright, cool man. I'm pumped. Halloween's almost here. It's good times. So for Jeff Wright, I'm Derek Zoo, reminding you, as always, to stay away from uh, clowns and sewers, blind people with turkey basters, and white people with teacups. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye-bye, man. <laughs>